from 35. Listen to what he says. He says, let me begin with verse 40 and then I come to, 39, to 35. Verse 40 he says, You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. So now, after giving that warning, thank you my sons for, yeah, thank you. After giving that warning, then now you go to 35. At 35 he says, watchfulness. Watchfulness. To be watchful, to remain there and watching. Waiting and watching and patient, right? He says, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. He's talking about the quality of waiting. He's talking about lamps and keeping them what? Burning. He's talking about a role you have, your role to keep your lamp burning. The lamp of your salvation burning. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, again, keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. He says, again, the word those. Have you found the word those? Now, it's those servants. If I were you, I would underline that. He has split the church right there into two. He's saying, that there are fake... Okay, listen to me first of all. Just focus on me. He's saying that the moment you receive Jesus, we receive Jesus, we all become servants of Christ. Are we still there? Servants of Christ. The Christian calling is become servants of Christ. We serve Christ. Number two, then he says, in the house of the Lord, there are two types of servants of Christ. Servants of Christ meaning Christians. Believers. So he's saying there are two types of believers in the church. One group is genuine and true believers. The ones that are going to heaven. Another group are fake believers. That is serious. Fake servants. So the word those servants... <laughs> those servants, the one that written, those servants, you underline that, right? Once he has mentioned it will, be, it will be good for those servants, then you realize that's a big trouble. He has just divided the church into half. Meaning there are those that will be ready and those that are not. And that is very synonymous with this conversation on rapture because we see it in the book of Matthew 25, right? The wise and foolish virgins, right? But let me move on so I can underscore what I wanted to put, on this, put to you on this. He says, it will be good for those servants wedding banquet so that when he comes immediately. Okay, verse 37. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve them and will have them recline at the table and who come and wait on them. That is unbelievable. The premium that heaven places on preparedness. Can I put it better? It's like when Jesus was about to leave and he says, Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, please never forget me. 
always remember me. So he's saying, as in wait for me, right? So he's saying that when he comes, he will reward the waiting. Those that wait on him, if he finds them waiting, he will reward waiting. And the way he treasures and premiums waiting before the throne is such that he says he will turn them from servants. They will be like lords. They will recline and he will come and wait on them. That is unbelievable. So we need to focus on that, right? So in other words, what is he saying? He's saying that the true definition of Christian salvation is to wait for Jesus the moment you receive Christ. You just receive Jesus, you start waiting for him. Are we together? Remember this just by the way, as I'm handling the death of a believer, which is very big in front of us here. And then, when you follow this, it says, again, verse 37, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, recline, he will dress himself to serve them. He will have them recline on the table and he will come and wait on them. Verse 38. It will be good for those, again those servants, still dividing into two, right? The genuine Christians and the fake Christians. Which one do you really want to be? Genuine. Yes, genuine Christians. So he goes on to say, it will be good for those servants, verse 38, whose master finds them ready when he comes, when he comes, even if he comes in the middle of the night, meaning in the second watch, or towards the daybreak in the third watch. That is where Jesus revealed the secret of the time, time of his coming. He said he's not coming in the first watch. He's not coming in the first watch. But he's coming either in the second or third watch. And we are so thankful he did not come in the first watch, right? Because he wouldn't have been born. The reason he tarries, he delays the coming, is that he may give opportunity for people to come to the knowledge of the Christ. Hallelujah. So that defines the quality of waiting. Your quality of waiting should be characterized by going out and reaching out to people and winning them to Christ. So he gets the secret there that he's not coming in the first watch. You come in the second or third watch. Hallelujah. And then he says, blessed people, but understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief comes, he would have not let his house be broken into. Verse 40, you also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. So this is very serious, blessed people. And that's why, again, we look back, back to our bearing, blessed people, back to our bearing here, and he says, he's talking about the death of a believer in verses 13 and 14 on the scripture that talks about the rapture of the church. Where there was a controversy, a misunderstanding, that they did not understand that you live forever. The soul lives forever. And that is very serious. I don't have time to go into it. That is very serious to the extent that if my son who reads for me, King James, can read Mark chapter 8, verses 35, 38, that is the gravity, the seriousness of the misunderstanding that accrued in the church in Thessalonia. Thessaloniki. Mark 8, 35, 36. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? What shall it profit a man if he will in Spanish, gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And lose his own soul. Thank you. Sit down. He's defining there the matters of the soul, the condition of the soul, the status of the soul, the importance of the soul, the value of the soul. And he's saying that the soul is something you need to understand very well its status, very, very well. Why? Because now we have seen the soul lives forever. That inside you, the component that lives forever is called the soul. Oh my Lord. How will you then take care of the soul if you don't understand the matters of the soul? It's longevity, it is status. When you die, where does it go? Do you understand why God grieved about that church and this church? How will you safeguard the soul if you don't understand the treasure it is? Listen to me now. He's saying, what shall it benefit a man to gain the whole earth and lose his soul? In other words, the soul is virtually unpurchasable. That only the eternal blood of Jesus, him is eternal, can purchase the, the soul, the soul of man. Very serious. And then in there he says, that only, again, let me repeat, only the eternal blood of the Lamb has capacity and value enough to purchase your soul. That's number one. Number two is saying there, he says, what shall it benefit a man to gain the whole earth, the wealth therein, and lose his soul in hell? Ah, oh, what a statement. I really want to hate the gospel of prosperity, right? Right away. Because he's saying that the only thing that can cause you to lose your soul into hell is when now you gain the world. That is tragic. So I don't want to go so much into that. But you can see why the Lord was so concerned. Because that church was operating in such a manner as though they don't understand the value of the soul. And guess what? The present day church does the same, right? Okay, look at me now. If you don't understand the value of the soul, the soul is the worship center of the Lord in you, right? And let's say you don't understand the value of the soul. Let's say you don't understand, right? Do you know what will happen? I don't want to use the word soul care, right? Soul care. I've thrown it out there. How will you take care of the, your soul then? If you don't understand the value of your soul. It's longevity. It's eternity. How long it lives. Whether it can be drifted and lost away or it is something that can be retrieved or whatever. He's saying it is very sad that many Christians in Thessaloniki, I know Thessaloniki very much because I used to do a lot of flights from uh, Tel Aviv to, uh, to Athens and connect Athens, Thessaloniki by the beach, then connect France, Frankfurt or Paris or JFK, wherever I was traveling to. But so I know, I know that city. But he's saying in that city, people died without understanding the value of their souls. 
I don't, don't even feel sorry for them. Why? Because it's happening now. If you see a Christian wearing a short mini skirt, or in this ministry saying holy, holy, and tightening the jacket, tightening people to see anatomy, you can tell she does not know the value of her soul. That's why she's playing with it. You will lose it to the lake of fire. He's saying the thing we should care for most is the soul. The most important component in you, the most expensive, most treasured part of you is called the soul. That's what he's saying here throughout. That don't grieve as if it is lost. When you die before the rapture, it's the one that goes into a conscious, conscious presence of God, fellowship with Jesus. Should we do it then? Protect the soul more. Oh, that is obvious. You tell a baby, mommy, one plus one is what? Is it two, right? That they can add. That therefore it goes without question that we need to protect the soul. Hallelujah. And so, these are some of the things coming. Let me just continue step by step with you as we go because our head is deep. So now, therefore now, we begin to understand that the soul lives on forever. You like it or not? In other words, accountability is coming, right? For example, Revelation chapter 6, blessed people, we don't have time, I'll really try to run through this. I wish I can make a headway tonight. I'm really praying that I be successful in my mission, right? Remember the horsemen, they come out charging and each of them is praying to be successful in his mission, right? To kill as many on the earth. Eh? That's unbelievable. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 6, Apocalypse says, for favor, versículo 9 al 11, verses 9 to 11. Revelation 6, 9 to 11. For the Spanish speaking, is Apocalypse says, for favor, 9 al 11. So he's saying, Revelation 6, 9 to 11 says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth? Judge with people. Which people? The inhabitants of the earth. We handle that. Those are enemies of God. They are people who have settled on the earth. The earth is their final destination. They are not aspiring for another destination. They are unrepentant. They don't give due consideration to God. They even attack God's people. They fight the Lord's agenda, right? We saw that in the book of Revelation, when you hear the inhabitants of the earth, those are enemies of God, right? The rebellious, the defiant, the unrepentant, the unborn again, their names are not in the Lamb's book of life, the beast worshippers, right? And so, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood, then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants their brothers and sisters were killed just as they had been. That's amazing. Right now we're waiting for the full number of the Gentiles to come in for rapture to happen. Right? Again, another moment when the Lord will be waiting for the full number. And this time, the full number of those that want to worship Jesus to be slaughtered. And guess what? There will be very many. Right? Absolutely very many. Because all of a sudden, the reality of hell 
looming big dawns on them. When you people have been raptured, they say, that means hell is a reality. Now they accept to be slaughtered for the gospel. I'm going to read for you Revelation chapter 7. Multitudes you cannot count. Hallelujah. But the key thing I'm bringing there, just focus on me now. The key thing I'm bringing there is the fact that he is saying that these people when they were slaughtered, their souls went straight to be with Jesus. So the soul is very critical. It does not sleep. No, the body does sleep. But the soul lives on. So where are you planning to spend your eternity with your soul? Remember whether you like it or not. On a daily basis, you are always making determination about the destiny of your soul. Are we together? On a daily basis, you are preparing for one destination or the other. And so, and that's why he's saying they are here. Philippians chapter 1, if you read with me, again, just to make them understand the value of the soul. The soul is never lost. Hallelujah. The book of Philippians chapter 123 says the following. He says, Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 says the following. Once I get it, I read it with you. He says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. He's coming out openly that the moment you die, your life does not end there. That when you die, it's a transmission. Do you remember Lazarus and the rich man? Lazarus died an instant he was taken to heaven called the Abraham side. The rich man died and what? Shocked. He's in hell. Aye, 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 aye. You really want to prepare for your eternity. He died and suddenly found himself in hell. So this thing of thinking that you see, uh, if it happens once I die, I die. No. No. There's an eternity. I've just described how breathing is difficult in hell. And the mayoye and duru and the wailing and gnashing of teeth and crying that happens there. The darkness. Remember in hell also you don't relate with the next person. So it's lonely. You are alone. You are in darkness. You are wailing the fire, the worms. Can you imagine trillions of worms burrowing through your brain, digging your blood vessels. Some are digging the liver. Worms that don't die. Oh, oh, hell is bad. Nobody in their normal mind should ever choose a lifestyle that, look at this now. Let me repeat this here before I finish the sentence of lifestyle that. The Lord is saying that on a daily basis, the way you live your life. Let me begin with church versus unchurch. Church versus unborn again. Let me begin there. Look at me now. He's saying that if you say, no, I don't believe in the Lord. I'm too busy. I, I just don't want that. That's not my thing, you know. I, I'm educated, you know. I need empirical evidence, which now they have. The cripples are now walking. So nobody can ever talk about empirical evidence. It's right there. But if you're just stubborn, you say you don't want the Lord, right? You know, we professors, <laughs> we don't take Jesus. Let's say you are saying that kind of thing. That is terrible. He's saying, you are already telling the Lord on a daily basis, in the manner in which you are living, 
For me, what I see is the following. I see you appearing before the higher court of justice in heaven, and you are submitting application before the Lord. And in your application, you are telling the Lord, look, I want to live far away from you. Your pleadings, in your pleadings at the higher chambers of justice before the Lord, you are submitting before the judge, the eternal God Almighty, Jehovah Haver Shali, my friend. And you are telling him that please, the way you are living here, you are rejecting, you want to be far away from him. Eh? So, in other words, I'm seeing you making an application, a formal application before him. Say, Lord, may I want to live away from you uh, eternally. I don't, I, don't, I don't want really to, Nini. To, to, to live near you. I don't want holiness. I just want to do my sinful life. And there are many people doing that today. The majority of the earth, right? And he's saying the tragedy is this. The Lord Jehovah normally grants it. He normally grants that application, my Lord. He grants it. That's why when you die, separation forever. Now, can I enter the church? You are born again. You are what? And then you love sin. You're just going around sleeping with women or men or whatever. You're lying here. You're doing corruption where? So you're doing things. You're, you are born again, but you're telling Jesus, I don't want to be close to you. Hallelujah. In other words, what I see you doing in that case with your life and lifestyle, I see you standing before the higher chambers of highest justice in heaven and submitting, making formal application that, look, I'm in the church, but I long to live away from you eternally. And my Lord, I'm sorry, the Lord normally grants it. For without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. He normally grants the application so that you separate from Him eternally. And that's why the Lord saying, be careful now. So here, it is so beautiful, Philippians chapter 123, because He's saying here, again I repeat it, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. A clear case that the soul goes straight to be with Christ. A clear case that the soul of the unborn again goes straight to be down there. A clear case that the soul does not die. You must account for where you want to go. Hallelujah. Finally, the hour of accountability will come. You have squandered your life thinking, oh, you get away with it. Get... No. Not at all. The moment comes when you realize the life on this earth was for preparing the way. Can we just keep going because of time? He's saying, in other words, in those two verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses uh, 13 and 14, the Lord is saying that there will be a last generation. The word we, remember I talked about it. The last generation to the rapture at that time, that will not suffer the cruelty and the sting of death. What a beautiful religion, right? Will not suffer the sting of death. Death is bad. If you want to know how bad it is, go to the mortuary. 
Go to the cemetery. There are many people there, right? And it's written, rest in peace, R.I.P. There is no peace without Jesus. That is serious. There should be erasing that thing there. There is no rest there. Read for me someone. Let me just read right now. The book of Revelation 14, 9 and 11, right? There is no resting in peace. And you see they have been sinning and sin and their habitual sin. You know today you have inventive sin. People in the sin industry. You have all types of innovations of how to sin. And he's saying that at the end there must be an answer. Revelation chapter 14, I'm reading verse 9. He says, The third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on their forehead, on their forehead, they will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. Full strength because the long-suffering of God. He has waited for you forever. He has waited. He has tarried and waited. And you did not come. He has waited, look, with the grace, with repentance, with love, compassion, mercy, and everything, goodness, eternity of God, everything. Now, when you have not responded and he has decided to judge you, now is full strength that wine. Why? Because it's without grace, without mercy, without compassion, without love, without any salvation or repentance. Now it's pure wrath. Sasa ni moto imoto. Kama ni moto, iwe moto sasa. Let it be fire now. Meaning the long suffering of God. He has waited for you for so long. Now he has to do it. And he's saying here, they will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. That is serious. He's saying, God is sovereign. Whether you lay your bed in hell, He is there. Whether you lay your bed in heaven, He is there. Whether you run and hide where in the ocean, He is there. So, He's saying, He is the one who created hell. And there is a very disturbing picture. If you look at Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man is able to see them enjoying things, right? But in this case, he's saying that they will be tormented as they watch the Jesus they rejected being glorified. They will be tormented and their smoke of torment rises forever and ever, meaning torment, there is no rest in peace. R.I.P. is not there. Because there is no day, rest day, there is no Shabbat, there is no holiday or weekend. There is no saying, okay, I, tomorrow is another day, we have punished them enough. Allow them to sleep a bit. You know, there were some times when you are under some disease or some sickness, some pain, and then they give you painkillers. When you sleep, you, are, you don't feel the pain, right? When you wake up, you feel the pain. But in hell, there is no sleeping. The worst thing is exhaustion of not sleeping and tormented. No, 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 no,
worst thing is exhaustion. Because even when you're sick, sometimes sleeping pills. So when you see rest in peace, tell them, please, no. No. Let people receive Christ. Yeah, let them receive Jesus if they want rest. Because that rest in peace is being determined on the earth here. Oh, yes. And so, I just want to move on. But he says, there is no rest. He says here, there is a generation that will be exonerated from death. And they are translated as holy believers. The key word is holy. Are we together in this briefing here, this colloquium session? Hallelujah. Step by step, please. The key word is holy. And that in that protocol of God, we are now seeing that heaven has preference to the dead first, meaning their bodies. Those that slept first, right? So that was such a powerful answer to the church. But you see, there are many other scriptures you can look at to tell you the truth. I will be with you in paradise today. Revelation chapter 7, many of them are by the throne after they have been killed. You also, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. I, believe, I prefer to be away from this body so I can be with the Lord, right? Very clear, blessed people, that Ikomoto, right? Sanna, that there is fire ahead. And for those who want to rest in peace, receive Christ now. And he says, the Christian faith gives people hope and encouragement. Why? Because Christ has taken away the sting of death. That's why you're saying, combine death with hope. Two different polar events, right? But for us, we can now. That's why when somebody dies as a Christian, we simply celebrate a life well lived. And that is the true meaning of saying they are in glory now. So, he was restraining them, right? So, don't just mourn, hey, what shall I do? I can't believe you have gone. Whom have you left us with? No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He was restraining them. That for Christians, death is now not a tragedy at all. God is now using death to transmit them into glorification. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. He's saying the death of a faithful Christian should be looked at as a door. Lango. A door. Un puerta. Porto in Spanish. In Porto in Portuguese, por favor. Puerta in Spanish. Should be looked at as a door to a glorious entrance into the new Jerusalem. That is serious. And then, in there, he has raised the matter of ignorance in the church. Can we handle that? He has come out blazing fire to rebuke this huge body of Christ called the ignorant brethren. People that are in church, and the way they dress, you can, they, you can almost think that they are not aware of what Christian salvation talks about, right? Just the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they live. The young man is born again. 
Like some of the countries I go to, after they finish, they drink wine, they're smoking. After they have worshipped, there's a door after behind the altar. You find them with gowns just after worship. When I'm now preaching, they're out there now smoking. And in the UK, there is drinking of alcohol. And many countries, so-called developed, they drink. He's saying there is a big ignorance. When you look at that, he speaks ignorance in the church. That Christians are living without understanding the cost of salvation, what Jesus had to pay to be able to buy them that salvation. They are living in ignorance without knowing that there is a requirement on them. They are not understanding that Christian salvation, the gospel, when you receive it, should convict you to sin. Conviction. So you look at the church and you understand there is a big ignorance. Can we just handle that a little bit more? The ignorance in the church. So the Lord does not accept outright ignorance of the believer about matters of truth and especially any matter of the foundation of the Christian faith and belief. So I mean I've just coined that that you may understand, if they can be ignorant on the destiny of the soul, then what else are they not ignorant about? But anyway, if you look at this generation, there is a problem, right? A serious one. The preaching of the gospel of prosperity focusing people, that, 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 the world, I, there's a big ignorance, right? There's a, even an ignorance in not knowing that all those are perishables. You should be focusing them on the imperishable. So there is all-round ignorance in the church, which is elevated there. Can we read right now Romans chapter 1, blessed people? Are we still together? It's good to see you, Caro Oremo. Very powerful, my daughter. <laughs> it's good to see you. How is Isipe doing? Oh, I'm announcing you live. That's terrible. Thank you so much. Well, some are still doing well there, right? Seminars, academic stuff. There's thesis and everything, right? The Lord bless you, my daughter. So now, Romans chapter 1, verse 13. So, he is lamenting the ignorance in the body of Christ. And you and I agree with me that yes, indeed, there is ignorance. If you can see the youth church, on a Friday, Kesha, you have to pick condoms in the morning. If you see the way they are dressed in the youth church, the secular newspapers write that they beat the discotheques. So you realize, no, this ignorance is not just in Thessaloniki. It's all over and worse now. If you see the way they accept homosexuality and they anoint them and they bless the marriages, you realize there is a big ignorance in the church now. Now. It makes Thessaloniki looks like, look like a child play. Are we together? That is the lamentation, the highlight he brings. He says, no, it is not good. God Almighty making it clear that it is not good for born-again people to be ignorant of the basic tenets of truth that govern. Did you have the word govern? That anchor the Christian faith. And then now you say you want to be ignorant about it and also you want to enter heaven. The ignorance is unbelievable, right? 
The cloud of God comes and you are still going to an apostate church. Uh, oh, the cloud came. Good for you. Okay, thank you. Good. Okay, I need to go. I'm late. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Oi! Who is that you are ignoring? That is Yahweh, the Creator Himself, that sent Jesus to the cross. Why should you be reckless with your eternity like that? How about if on that day you find that He will shut you out for that, for ignoring Him? Why would you be reckless with your eternity? No. Don't take chances, right? Because in any case, eternity is not yours, it is His. And, and He is the one who determines who goes to heaven and who goes where? To hell. You really want to be His friend? Hallelujah. And if you get prophets of the Lord of this magnitude that are too close to Him like that, that really, you know, speak with Him live and direct like that on global TV, no, you really want to be close, be, be their friend actually. Because really, these guys are speaking directly with the Lord right here. And this is a very serious event happening in the church. Let, let me just go through this a lot of time. Can you read for me so I move faster? Romans chapter 113. The way the Lord laments over ignorance. He does not want it in church. He does not want it. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but now I do not want you to be ignorant. At that place again, he rebuked ignorance. And et al, all of the above now, that follows. Another moment, Romans 11.25, when he's talking about Israel and the church. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this. Again, he does not want the church to be ignorant on matters of salvation. Are we together? This is serious. He's saying, tonight, he's cleaning out ignorance. So it is up to you now. Look at this now. In the context of the conversation of the rapture, the book of Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14, when he's really talking about the matters of the church, rapture and death and resurrection, which are foundation of salvation, faith, he's saying it is now up to you to find yourself, find your way to a place and position yourself in a place where you can receive the right information about the kingdom of God. Because, oh, my pastor, our WhatsApp group. No! It's your personal responsibility to come out of that law firm and say, Apana, today after 4 o'clock I'm gone because there is a meeting somewhere. There are matters of eternity being handled there. And I don't want to miss them because for me, for me, I just want to handle my matters of my eternity. Kwa Kiswahili, wewe kiviako. You on your own. You think somebody will come and force you that come, come stay here so you can hear about the rapture or the kingdom of God. The devil would want you to be elsewhere where you are being told prosperity, the pomp and dancing of the church in Sydney all the time, short trousers, shorts, pair of shorts and t-shirts with writings on them and a big coca-cola, coffee I think, huh? 
Yeah, the devil would want you to hang around that place where somebody would come and then when he talks, he would talk to you about how he moved from rags to riches. And yet the deliberations on the kingdom of God are going on live and vivo in Spanish. Live. Live. Anyone can tune in. Anyone can tune in. He laments ignorance in the church. And yes, in this age, I lament ignorance in the church. If you just look at all the Christians addressing, you realize there is a big ignorance and misunderstanding also. They misunderstood Jesus. They thought when he brought the grace, it meant a license for sin. My Lord. They thought when he brought the grace, now God ceased to be holy anymore. They thought the grace of God now means that the holiness of God has been trivialized. Not at all. That's why in this briefing, we will say it as it is because the Lord, he has spoken with me. If you don't enter, I'm in trouble. I want you to enter. Because he's saying, when you listen to the preachings, how the pastors come and give false prophecies, you're saying, how come there is such an ignorance on the dreadfulness of God? The grace does not mean the Yahweh that crushed Egypt, the Yahweh that crushed the enemies, ceased to be Yahweh. No. It's still a dreadful God. He must be revered. You cannot abuse him. My Lord. They are trying to mimic his voice at pulpits and giving false prophecy and using it for money and saying bring money to the feet of who? And yet right now there is a big battle that we may... I read for you Revelation 16, those who are here last time. When you realize there is a big battle, the enemy is also trying to win a lot of people on his side. So we have to go and nyanganya kwamdomo, nyanganya kwamdomo just from the teeth, from the teeth all the time. You may be injured there by his teeth, but at least I've removed you from the teeth. In fact, those marks when they heal, that will be a sign that, that no longer food for the devil. You just write on your t-shirt, no longer food for the devil. Oh, yes. He's saying there is ignorance. He is lamenting ignorance in the church. He says he don't want it. But when I look at this age, it's unbelievable. Right from the pastor. Let me tell you one thing. If you look at this Bible here, this Bible, you can summarize this word. This Bible from A to Z, from Genesis to Revelation, is about Jesus. Number one. This Bible from A to Z, from Genesis to Revelation, is about the holiness of God. So where did the misunderstanding come from? Now they brought, let, let me tell you, there is today a dangerous form of Christianity out of that ignorance. Whereby now, they are looking for a convenient Christian life. Where you are acceptable, people like you, you talk to here, they like you here. Eh? You, you, the, the church has become an entertainment center. And evangelism and the mission of the church has now become social work. 
And yet the church has a nobler calling, a higher calling, a mission for the kingdom of God, to reach people for the kingdom of God. But when you go and evangelize people the way they are doing, you are removing them from the streets, you are removing them from whichever religions, and you are bringing them to church, and then they see sin. They were in Islam, where women were dressed holy. They come, they say, wow. This is Sodom and Gomorrah. So you are removing them from the frying pan to where? To fire. There is a misunderstanding. There is a misconception. There is ignorance. People need to go back to the very basics of salvation, the cross and the blood. Because when you look at the cross of Jesus, you look at the cross, what do you see? You see the the dire consequences of sin. And you say, I don't want to be in sin anymore. You see that the Son of God could come and die because of sin. When you look at the cross, you see the judging God. God the judge. He had to judge Jesus on your behalf to accept you. Ah, that is very expensive. So now, there is a misunderstanding. There is an ignorance on the cost of salvation as much as it is on the value and the treasure of the soul. But even the cost and the agency that want to deliver us, there is a misunderstanding that think is their elder brother. No! Jesus is a judge, my Lord. A judge. He comes to judge sin. Oh, when I see him, I will jump, I'll sit on his lap. Wait, wait. John was very close, down like dead meat. I remember the time when he came. I was about to leave Latin America. Then I spoke that night to the Lord. And then he came himself into the room. It's like, I've, I've described this all over the world, really. It's like taking the sun, remove the red rays, just the white ones, and pump the sun at its highest into one room. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Jesus is not a joke. And then when you see blazing fire, the eyes, it's not flames like this. In fact, the flames were going like this to get to meet my eyes. It's like this red, 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 red flames now inside the white glory going to me and my eyes as he spoke. The dread. The Lord Jesus is not a joke. The majesty of the king is not a joke. The Lord Jesus judges. Yesterday we saw that it is him now. Just a moment. Look at this now. You realize that the entire tribulation yesterday we saw that it is him that takes the scroll and breaks the seal to roll out such unbelievable wrath. And you can tell the ones who are here who have come to execute the wrath of the Lamb. The coronavirus, the earthquakes, 300,000 killed. You can see the dead bodies. Put Haiti, the dead bodies of Haiti. Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. 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 Look at the dead bodies of Haiti. Look at the buildings everywhere. Nobody, you cannot survive anything. Look at the dead bodies of Haiti. Plus children. When I went to warn them. And you know the problem is, the flats, they all fall down like chapati. You have many, many floors together and they have pressed someone here and crushed the waist to the legs and the other side is out and is beating, Mommy, Mommy, don't leave me. The mother is sitting there. He's trying to pull 
big flaws with her hand she cannot. Haven't I done the same in Palestine right now? These words. Your children, the cripples, are getting up and walking. And then, for them, their children, they're trying to dig with their hands to remove them from rubble. Yeah, there's a misunderstanding. 